0: Welcome to the I Work For Him podcast. I'm Michael Mariko, producer of the I Work For Him radio
1: program, the voice of the faith and work movement. Our mission is to transform the workplace of every Christian into a mission field. What does that look like in your workplace? Let's find out right now. You've tuned into I Work For Him, the mouthpiece for the faith and work movement. Thanks for tuning in today. We're your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg.
2: Thank you so much for being with us, listeners. And I just want to give you the opportunity to remember right now, that we will be giving away a copy of the book that we're talking about today on our show. So our listener line is 866-713-9675, 866-713-WORK. And just stay tuned for a few more minutes and you'll find out what that book is all about.
1: You know, money has a way of twisting us. It has a way of taking over and driving us crazy. If we don't manage our money, it manages us. If we don't put parameters around our money, we can lose sleep and peace, and it could damage our most important earthly relationships. In order to manage your money in a way that reflects Christ in us, whether this is in our home or in our work life, we need to first know and understand the attitudes and actions in our life surrounding how we handle money. Second, we need to be knowing where our money is going. Rachel Cruz is back with another best-selling book, Know Yourself, Know Your Money. She's going to pull all this together for us so that no matter where we are or what we're doing, our faith, our work, and our money are all tied to Jesus in us. Rachel Cruz, welcome back to I Work For Him.
0: Thank you, guys. Thanks for having
1: me back on. We're just so grateful to have you back on, and we love the fact that you and your family have really been a driving force in our country towards helping people get out of debt but also to understand money, because money has such amazing power in our lives. I mean, Jesus knew that. He talked about money and possessions more than any other topic. So, Rachel, here's the boomer of the question right here. Right, here. You grew up in a household with a famous or infamous father. He talked all about money all the time, and debt, and getting debt free. And he talked about Jesus. How did all this tie together to make you the woman you are today?
0: Oh, gosh. That's a, that's a big question. I mean, I... I think part of what I do today and having the platform that I have and the message that I have, a good part of that came from how I grew up. I mean, understanding God's ways of handling money and then going out on my own and realizing people do not handle money the way that God talks about in scripture. And it's doing a disservice to them, right? They're not to the place where I feel like they could be on an emotional and financial scale. And so being able to say, okay, I have these tools. I remember thinking this at like 21 years old. I thought, I know some stuff. I don't know everything, but I know some of these things that really can help people. And so I think that's kind of coupled with talents and passions and stuff that are God given completely, it all just kind of merged. So that's that's kind of what brings me, you know, here where I am today is, is a lot of my story of how I grew up, but also the passion to help people. Because like you said, money is a hard topic for a lot of people. There's a lot of shame. There's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of confusion, a lot of intimidation. And so if we at Ramsey, any of us can kind of put the cookies at the bottom shelf and help inspire and instruct people on the wise ways to handle their money, it's going to benefit them in the short term and long term.
1: Okay. But if we're going to put the cookies on the bottom shelf, what cookie would be your favorite?
0: are we talking metaphorically no no no
1: you brought up cookies he's hungry i i I
0: got it for you ready yes i love a no baked chocolate oatmeal cookie have you ever had one of those
1: just just the ball of stuff (laughs) okay all right okay i bought you some almond joy
2: cookies today okay
1: good i I don't know
2: we'll see so there you go i love that so and
1: you so, brought it up, sorry I had to, it's, it's a distraction, but come on. You just we
0: had to... Like literal cookies or, yeah. like, or like figure of speech See, with you, money. Cookies.
1: You grew up in a household where sayings, Southern sayings, metaphors just roll off your dad's tongue. So I know you grew up with that. I knew that cookies on a bottom shelf, that's just another metaphor, but I thought I just, I grew up in Minnesota. We, we didn't have that's great good. sayings. We ate lutefisk. I
2: mean, you know. <laughs> We don't put Ludafisk on the bottom shelf, though. No. Never. Top shelf, out of the way, forget about it. All of it. Okay, so I'm going to reel us back in even right at the beginning of the show. (laughs) So there's a ton of books out there written about the biblical perspective of money. Why did you take this approach with Know Yourself, Know Your Money? Oh, we'll show Well,
0: up. over, oh, there it is, yes. Um, <laughs> gosh, well, for, I don't know, 10 plus years now, I've been talking about the how-to of money. Mm-hmm. So how to budget, how to get out of debt, how to invest, how to refinance, how to give, how, how, how. And we say all the time that personal finance is 80% behavior. It's only 20% head knowledge. Mm-hmm. So knowing what to do isn't a lot of the problem. It's actually doing it. So those how-to principles are very important. You need those. But that behavior changes is, is huge. And so um, a few years ago, I found myself in this place where I—I remember I read the book, The Birth Order, because I'm a middle mm-hmm. child. Mm-hmm. Figuring out, like, okay, how did, how did my birth order affect who I am today? I was in some counseling. I remember I took the Enneagram and Myers-Briggs, like all these, all these things, and, and starting to really have a lot of self-awareness of why I do the things I do. And because of that and that work, I realized, man— I am a better wife, I'm a better mom, I'm a better friend. I mean, i have not arrived by any means, but I do feel much more aware of why I do the things I do in life, the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. And so during that journey, I thought, man, well, what if I apply that to my money? Like, why do I handle money the way I do? Why do I spend the money I spend? Why am I saving for these certain things? Why, why, why? And it just opened up this black hole. And so I realized this has to be my next book because- So many financial books, to your point, though, you know, it's all on top of the surface. It's building upon that foundation. So with this book, I wanted to go under the foundation and get to the root of a lot of problems because a lot of money problems or a lot of life problems masquerade themselves as money problems. Mm -hmm. So I find it's not just a budgeting problem. It's not just a debt problem. It's not just a problem that you and your spouse can't get on the same page. There's usually a whole other list of things underneath that That is causing that symptom so to get to the root of that problem is is so important
1: so let's talk about that how do people typically develop their attitudes and perspectives about money
0: well i think starting out with how you grew up i think that this was a big part it shapes a lot of how you see money today and so it's everything from um your your childhood classroom you know money is communicated in two ways in a household it's communicated verbally but it's also communicated emotionally And so when I was writing the manuscript for this, I realized these two things and I thought, oh, I was like, God gave me a graph. Like it creates this quadrant and it's so great because it's these four money classrooms is what it ends up being. And so there's the anxious money classroom, the unstable money classroom, the unaware, and the secure. And so when you can pinpoint, okay, this is the type of classroom I grew up in because of how money was talked about or not talked about, if money was stressed, or if it was calm, all of that plays in. And so when you can say, okay, this is how my parents, the environment in our home was, that shapes a lot of how you handle money today. Cause you either mirror what your parents did almost subconsciously, Mm -hmm. or if you look back and say, I did not agree with how they handled money and you run the complete opposite direction. And so, but, but either factor, it shapes how you view money today.
2: So with those classrooms, and I know we'll probably dig into it a little bit more, but help the listeners to understand. Well, first of all, I'm going to remind the listeners, we're talking with Rachel Cruz. Her new book is Know Yourself, Know Your Money. And we are giving away a couple of copies of that. So remember to call our listener line at 866-713-9675.
1: To tweet or not to tweet, that's always on my mind. That's why Martha handles most of the Twitter tweets and interactions. Please look for us and interact with us on Twitter at I work for him radio. That's at I work, the number four, him radio.
2: So, Rachel, in the classrooms, like in the book, do you help people to walk through what they each are so that they can identify then how, where they, the starting point that they come from?
0: Yes. So, that first classroom, the anxious money classroom, this would be where it's verbally closed. So, money's not talked about, but emotionally mm-hmm. stressed. So, if you grew up in this classroom, you felt the tension around money. You may not, you may couldn't, you couldn't pinpoint it was money, but you know, toward the end of the month when bills were due, oh, you just felt that tension around the home. Mm. Classroom two is the unstable. This is where it's verbally open, but emotionally stressed. So lots of conflicts, lots of fighting. You probably heard your parents have the same money fight over and over and over again. That's there. And then classroom three is the unaware money classroom. In this classroom, it's verbally closed, but emotionally calm. So there wasn't tension around it, but it was never talked about. Like your head was probably in the sand. And if you grew up in this classroom, you probably left the house at 18 or 21 and thought, I have no clue how money works. I I don't know how to handle money because no one ever taught me. And then classroom four is definitely the healthiest money classroom. And this is where it's verbally open and emotionally calm. So in this classroom, you could have $10 million. You could have $10. The amount of money doesn't matter but it's the idea that money is talked about. It's not a taboo subject. You engage in conversation, but also there's a plan around it and, and there's a level of control that creates the emotion of being calm in the house. So all the readers, I, I, I give, you know, downsides to all these money classrooms that you have to be aware of, mm-hmm. but to really move them currently with their current family into that classroom number four. Because I want parents to be able to talk about it with themselves and, and in a marriage, but also with their kids and then have a level of control. So even if you're getting out of debt and you don't have a ton of savings right now, you can still have a calm household when it comes to money because you're actually implementing principles and habits that are gonna change your life.
1: We're talking with Rachel Cruz today. She's got this brand new book out, Know Yourself, Know Your Money. Call the listener line 866-713-9675 to get a copy. And we'll be right back with Rachel.
2: Like Jim, I didn't dream of being on camera. I was content to play piano and sing in a choir. Who knew that today, Jim and I would have interviewed over 3,000 people and created tons of podcasts and videos helping Christians to unlock God's purpose for you and your work. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube, I Work For Him.
1: Hey, we're talking with Rachel Cruz today about her brand new book, Know Yourself, Know Your Money, Rachel, you talked about the, the best sphere is, or the best sector of your little chart to be in is this verbally open, emotionally calm. What did you call that sector again?
0: The secure. The
1: secure one. Classroom. The cl- classroom, classroom, excuse me. The, well, you did the sector thing. So I'm sorry, I never had <laughs> okay. the okay. classroom. I- the I'm moment. sorry. I'm You're sorry. a ninja. It's okay. a bunny ninja. No, yeah, not the ninja thing. Okay. okay, so that emotional calmness, though, how does faith play into this? Because I, we found, just personal testimony, that when we got out, when we started understanding God's perspective on money in our marriage, it transformed our conversations at home, but our faith had a lot to play in it because all of a sudden we understood God had our backs in this if we would just trust him with our money. How does, how, how does our faith play into this process of being emotionally calm, verbally open in this classroom?
0: Oh, I think it's, I think it's a huge part. I mean, when you see yourself as not an owner, but a manager, you see yourself as steward, stewarding what God has given you. And being a good steward in that allows you to live life a little bit with that open hand where there is a level of faith that you know, okay, at the end of the day, all of this stuff that's around the cars and the houses and everything, even if that's all wiped away, where is my foundation, right? And at the end of the day, if it's all gone, no matter what, you're a child of God, right? If you go to the, you know, the Job syndrome, if you end up like that, but if you can still have that foundation, and just that alone gives you a peace that, using scriptures, surpasses all understanding. Like there is a level there that people who walk with God and have that relationship is is unlike anything else. So there is that for sure. But you can have that but still have a debt collector calling you. <laughs> still mm-hmm. have, you know, these things in place, still living paycheck to paycheck. So there's definitely the spiritual aspect as the big realm for sure. But then when you start to put into practice these biblical principles, I think that calmness
2: comes even more on a tactical level. I love it. And who doesn't want calm, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, well, well, a, lot yes time, peace. a lot of times there was fake calm at our house and then the, the truth would come out. All right, let's get personal for a minute. Okay, how long have you and Winston been married now?
0: Eleven years. All right, eleven
1: years. So, how long did yeah. it take the two of you guys to get on the same page financially, knowing that he was marrying in to the Dave Ramsey family? <laughs> so, it's not like this was some new thing to him. Hopefully, he made he had to go through Financial Peace University as part of the <laughs> <Yeah>. pre <laughs> pre marriage stuff, right? I'm sure we
0: actually did, which is funny. Yeah. Well, what well what is funny is Winston had never heard of Dave Ramsey when we started dating in college. One of his friends was like, "Dad, do you know who her dad is? It's Dave Ramsey," and he was like. Well, my dad's buddy Cruz. I like. I don't get it. Like, he had no clue, <laughs> no clue. So that actually was very refreshing. I to bet me, it be was honest. absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah great. it really was. But we were so when we got. I mean, I was twenty one when we got married. We got married really young, and so I think the a little bit of the benefit of that is that we kind of grew up financially together. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I was a college student. I had probably like four hundred bucks in my bank account, and like you know, we I mean, we learned all of this very new. Unlike now, I feel like a lot of people get married older. Where they've established these habits and the way they do things, and so merging those two journeys is more difficult because you've had to do everything on your own, and then you're suddenly trying to merge. So I think for us, not that we're perfect by any means. I mean, oh gosh, I can tell you a story from last week that we had a, we had a money hiccup. But like, but starting out that merge for us personally wasn't a huge deal again because I think we were just so so young. But we are very opposite, Winston and I. Like on the tendencies, I talk about seven money tendencies in the book, and we are literally down the line. We don't have one of the tendencies in common. I'm a spender, he's a saver. I like experiences, he likes things. I like quantity, he likes quality. I mean, like you go down the list. Wow. So so that can just, you know, there, there's a sense that there's a level of, there has to be a lot of communication, sacrifice sometimes on one of our ends, um, and all of that. So we're not immune to that. I mean, those conversations definitely happen. Mm-hmm. But our our quote-unquote merging you know, happened at a small condo in Knoxville, Tennessee
2: with about $400 in our bank account. <laughs> so, you know, it's so funny because we got married very young. Had, and we were younger day, than you. So we think about the fact that you like, you think back to the times when we ate macaroni and drank Kool-Aid. And it's like, those are good memories, right? Because Sugar-free it's like, Kool-Aids. We, we didn't have to pay yeah. for we that, weren't the We were worried about a whole lot of other stuff at that point thankfully. So let's talk just for a minute to the listener that you know they maybe are not in harmony with their finances yet and they're yeah. hearing about this book. What would be their first step when they, you know, when they get the book? For sure. What know do you yourself, want to say? Know
1: your money by oh. Rachel Cruz right here get a copy of yeah. it. <laughs> That's right. Not everybody's looking at it. 9675. That's yes. right.
0: You're good. Um you know, I would say if you're not happy with your current financial situation, you know if you are one of the forty percent of Americans that can't cover a four hundred dollar emergency in cash, mm-hmm. if you are one of the seventy eight percent that live paycheck to paycheck, like if you're in these statistics and money is not a fun subject, it's stressful. Um, there's a lot of pain around this. You have to realize, okay, the way I've handled money, my money habits and choices have led me to this result. Mm-hmm. So if I want a different result. I'm going to have to change the way I've been doing things, right? That's the definition of insanity. If you do this same thing over and over again and expect a different result, that's mm-hmm. insanity. You can't do that. So you have to know, first and foremost, that there will be a level of change. That when you read the book, hopefully I present biblical principles and ideas and ways of viewing money that might be different than what you've ever heard before— but choosing to say, okay, if I start this journey and I start walking this path, there's gonna be friction and it's gonna be hard because change is hard. Mm-hmm. I have three little kids at home and my middle is three years old and, and I took out all the car seats and our van the other day to clean everything and I, and I put them all back in and I switched the baby <laughs> infant seat and her seats. So we are getting into loading for preschool and Caroline, my, my three-year-old, I mean, threw an absolute fit. She was like, no, mommy, that's not my, it's not my side of the van, it's not my side of the mm-hmm. van. I was like, Carolyn, we're late for preschool. Get in, we gotta buckle up, we gotta buckle up. And she hated it. And I thought, even a three-year-old doesn't like change. That is not where she is supposed to be because yeah. it's not comfortable. It's not what I like. So so for the for the reader that's gonna pick it up, know that change is coming if you choose it. And it's gonna be uncomfortable. It's gonna be vulnerable. But the beautiful thing is, is that you can have the hope that what you're changing to is better than your present.
1: I was thinking when you were cleaning out the minivan, all the interesting things, because you have three little kids that you found when you took out the car <laughs> oh. seats. Oh, that's <laughs> right. We, we we sold cars and ran an insurance agency for a lot of years, and we cleaned out of those minivans. Whew. Okay. Oh, I right. imagine. So a lot of times oh, when you're so writing imagine. a book like this book, Know Yourself, Know Your Money by Rachel Cruz, you kind of test drive it on your small group or those people in your Sunday school class. How did you... <laughs> how'd your small group react to this? How did your close group of friends react to what you talked about? Certainly the the classroom's idea and these unique money tendencies.
0: Yeah, people loved it. I mean, I'm thankful. It was was just a totally different approach of, of how to view money. But what's funny is I wrote that book when I was pregnant with my third. And so I wanted the full maternity leave not to have to worry about the manuscript or anything. So I wrote it probably six to eight months early before it was due because i just wanted to have the baby and and not think about it well by the time i got the manuscript back to start editing it that was march of 2020 so the pandemic hits <laughs> in the middle of my editing and it kind of, and honestly it changed a little bit there were, i added a few more stories and and i cuz it really the pandemic in in everyone's life right shook them in a different place um and and i had moments during that where i thought man i thought i viewed money one way but it is it is testing me to my core. I mean, mm-hmm. there were a few nights where I was scared. Where I was like, you know, Winston, and I we've done this for eleven years, so we're on baby step seven. Like, on paper, we're good. We should be good. But I found myself saying, I mean, what if the market bottoms out and and it's over? Like what? Like what if what if Ramsey's gone tomorrow? Like what? All these questions, and I started to realize, wow, where where have I put my safety and security? Right? Like, I mean, I had some convicting moments in myself, so I added some of that back in the book where. Where money gives a sense of security. And I think it's there's wisdom in a lot of this. And 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 that's talked about all through scripture. But there's also a level that you can't serve two masters. And yeah. so what position is money in your book? So so when my friends read it and family, it was all great. But I but the pandemic honestly probably made the most shift a little bit in, in some of the manuscript.
2: Mm. And so good because you know, it is one of the things that we've had to really assess and think about and Realize that we were counting on tomorrow all the time, you know, which is yes. something um, that is, you know, again, scripture scripture, says. scripture has a lot of help there regarding that. So, okay, just a little peek inside. What is your unique money tendency?
0: Yes. Well, I write about seven of them. So my list, though, so I'm a spender. Okay. I like experiences versus mm-hmm. things. I am quantity. I like options versus like quality, one nice thing. Um, I lean free spirit, not nerd. Um, I am a, I'm a spontaneous giver more than a planned giver. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if I hit them all, but yeah, uh, all my, all my, tend- I write about them in the book, of right. course, but I, I liked that part of the book as well because I didn't want any right or wrong, right. Mm-hmm. Or this like shame or guilt. Cause mm-hmm. there is some right or wrong with money. Like, mm, you probably should do this and not this, right. but the tendencies, neither one is right or wrong. The extremes can get unhealthy but to be able to pinpoint your natural tendency that that's okay. So uh, that part of the book was really fun for me um, to write and for people to see and relate to. All
1: right. We're out of time, but I got to ask this last question. This all, we're, we're talking about this in perspective of a personal perspective or of a marital perspective in our personal lives. Yet all of this stuff, our our money tendencies where we are in the money cl- in the classrooms, all really leaks into our jobs too. On how we handle money, let's say we're a, a COO, we're a controller, or we're a CFO, or we're a manager over a budget, whatever that may mm-hmm. be, how we, our views towards money impacts our stuff at work. How have you seen that play out? I mean, because this, your book, Know Yourself, Know Your Money, applies to our work life too.
0: Oh, for sure. It's so interesting talking to business owners because, you know, they talk about, okay, well, I run my, my money like this at home and my business is, is similar, you know? And I'm like, yeah, because you're the same person. Like yeah. the person that's doing the money at home is the same person that's doing the money at work as well. So that's a great point because it is. You can't compartmentalize these parts of your life. You are who you are no matter what. So so getting these healthy biblical money habits in place is not going to just help you in in your home life, but yes, it bleeds right over into your work. Absolutely.
2: Mm. So what do you think you're going to do to help your kids understand some of the things that you've written about in Know Yourself, Know Your
1: Money? Are, are you going to read them The Treasure Trees? really oh, what I really
2: want to really want to know that. Oh, I know. Yes. That a great book? Well, I just oh, love so the precious. way you
1: talked about it in the book. I just and thought if, that was And if people
2: don't know what we're talking about, but if they read the book, they'll learn for themselves, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yes.
0: Yeah. I want my kids as, as much as possible to have a healthy relationship with money, to be able to look at it and say, okay, money is a tool. Uh, to create a wonderful life for our family and for others. But that's what it is. It's not God. It's not to be worshiped. It's not the end all be all. But it is a tool in your life. And when you can view the ownership perspective versus manager, that is a game changer for me. And I want my kids to see that within Winston and myself. And I want that for them as well. That when they know, yeah, every blessing God has given you from your job your spouse, their future kids, which is even weird to think that I could be a grandma- grandparent one day, but all of these things, right? Like it, it is a blessing. It is a blessing. And you hold it with an open hand and say, God, I am here,
2: use me. Mm-hmm. You know, I just want to say, listeners, this is an opportunity we have right now to impact the next generation so that they're not even thinking about like, oh, all these things I learned as a kid or that didn't get talked about. And, you know, all of those other classrooms that your book talks about, we can change that whole next generation by giving them the experience at home that's healthy and helps them to understand God's perspective on money. So thank you for writing it. Great. Absolutely. Thank you, guys.
1: Uh, know Yourself, Know Your Money by Rachel Cruz. Get a copy today on our, on our listen line, 866-713-9675. Or, of course, on all your major booksellers, you can get a copy of Know Yourself, Know Your Money. Rachel Cruz, thanks for coming back on iWork for him. Thanks for bringing in your latest book. And thanks for sharing a little bit of your story
0: absolutely thanks for having me on you guys you've
1: been listening to i work for him with your host jim and martha brangenberg we're christ followers our workplace it's our mission field but ultimately i, I work, work for him, him.